0: Hi everyone, this is your host Autumn and you're listening to the episode 1 of season 2 and I will be reading your novel as I mentioned earlier and uh, the novel is super fun and I hope you enjoy it. So without delaying any more. I will read you Love Potion by Christina Jones. Chapter 1. Okay. So finding a naked man in her bed was not that unusual. There had been one or two in the past, not at the same time, of course. But Suki Ambrose had her moments, mind you, she had to admit none of them had managed to look quite so spectacular at this early hour of a grey and chilly March Monday morning. In fact, the only thing wrong with this one, Suki thought, staring at the lean and tanned torso. Rising and falling in sleep beneath her dark blue duvet. At the rampled, streaky ash-blonde hair which looked glorious against her navy pillows. At the superb cheekbones and the curve of long, dark eyelashes. Was that he was a complete stranger? The initial terror which had kicked in as she had switched on the light and found an unknown man sleeping soundly in her bedroom was tempered by the sheer implausibility of the situation. Alright then, that and the fact that he was truly beautiful. Not that that made his presence any less scary. She told herself quickly, some of the worst villains in the history had been extremely attractive, hadn't they? Surely some of those mass murderers of the green and grimy past had been lady killers in every sense of the word. And how often had she peered at some serial wrongdoer on the television news, thinking guiltily that she had fancied him if she had met him at a party? So was he a villain, someone on the run, a fugitive from justice, a crazed killer suddenly overcome by? The need to catch up on his beauty sleep, Suki shook her head, doubtful. Not that she had known any crazed killers, but somehow snuggling under an anonymous duvet simply didn't seem to fit the Toronto image. Mentally downgrading the criminality a bit. Perhaps he was a burglar, a housebreaker, taking advantage of both her and Mila being away from the home for the weekend and making the most out of the facilities before making away with their belongings. Suki somehow doubted that too, the sleepy village of Bagley-Kamrasset with its one high-banked main road curve wave of tiny lanes, and one pub and two shops were surely never going to be top of any mobsters must visit least, was it? And she had not noticed any sign of forced entry when she had opened the cottage front door. And everything downstairs had seemed untouched and normal. But then, Exhausted after her journey and simply glad to be home, she had not really been looking for any indication that they had been burgled, had she? She could really, really do without this. Blinking wearily, she stared at the slipping form again. He was out like a light. Could he possibly be ill? Maybe he had wandered in from the winding village streets, having suffered from amnesia. Maybe he thought this was his home, perhaps. Maybe he had lived in Bagley at some time in the past and muddled up his cottage. Um, No, Suki discounted that one straight away. He was probably in his late 20s as she was, and having been born and bred in bagley com she knew everyone who had ever lived in the village. He really was very, very pretty, and if he was not ill and was far too clean and classy looking to be anyone else's stereotypical tug why on earth he is in her bed unless what if he was a squatter that was it what if that new breed of upmarket organized squatters reclaiming vacant property as a protest against homelessness and materialism. Oh dear. Suki felt more than a little sympathy with that particular cause, but could also feel a severe case of nimbism coming on. Suki stared at him for a little longer. He really was sensational. Should she wake him, ring the police, scream, oh no, too late for screaming and anyway, she had never been much of a drama queen. And the police would take ages to arrive and then there would probably be forms to fill in. and. Lots of questions and she was far too tired to even contemplate all that. Maybe she had just sneaked back out of the room and locked the door on the outside and wait for him to regain consciousness and ask questions later. Dropping her hood all quietly to the bedroom floor and holding her breath while she wriggled the old-fashioned key from the lock, Suki switched off the light and backed out of the room. Her hands were shaking as she locked the door from the outside. Damn, too noisy. She paused, waiting for the explosion, but there was no angry shout from her bed. She pocketed the key in her jeans and listened again. Still no sound at all from behind the door. Clearly the intruder was exhausted. Not as exhausted as she was though, driving back to Berkshire from Newcastle through the night had seemed like a good idea at the time. Her three days course. Advanced aromatherapy, essential oils, and infusions for the 21st century had ended late the previous evening. The delicates had been invited for a night out on the town, sampling every hot venue the Quayside Complex had to offer with all additional tempting promise of spotting premiership footballers and reality TV stars at every turn. But after three rigorous days of studying and attending lectures, practical sessions, and a rather sneaky written exam, and having already spent three evenings of gallivanting with several like minded beauticians to make the most of the Newcastle pubs and clubs after the classes. All Suki had wanted to do was to go home to Bagley Comrade and crawl into bed and sleep for a week. Not possible now. Mm-mm. Of course, she could sleep in Mila's bed, as Mila was not due back until later today from her hen party in Dublin, but maybe this was not a great idea with a strange man in the cottage. Oh, bugger. Feeling bone-tired and more irritated than frightened. After all the bedroom door was securely locked, the window, centuries old and much painted over, opened only a few inches. So the interloper was safely imprisoned for now, Suki tiptoed downstairs. The sleeping man upstairs had put a bit of a dampener on the usual sense of euphoria Suki normally felt and returning to the strangely named Pixie's Laughter Cottage. It was her sanctuary, truly her home, a place she loved with all her heart. She had always hated. Having her cherished space invaded and having it invaded by a naked stranger had thrown her completely. And she thought with a very green, what on earth would her godmother have made of it all? Cora, Suki's maternal great aunt and godmother, had lived all her higgledy piggledy life in pixie's laughter. Suki had adored the elderly, eccentric Cora and spent an idyllic childhood with her in the low beamed room. Snuggled up in front of the log fire in the winter, playing wild games in the garden through long hot summers. When Suki's aspirational parents living on the other side of the village in their up to the minute stylized and clinically neat modern state semi had inherited the cottage. They had immediately planned to modernize it and sell it at some exorbitant sum in commerce horrified at the thought of losing Cora's home her happy memories and her childhood bolt hole suki had begged pleaded and eventually convinced her parents that she would be the ideal owner for pixie's laughter after much wrangling a price had been agreed nowhere near as high as the Ambrose would have managed to exhort from strangers, and Suki having convinced the bank that she would be a great mortgage risk had moved in. The modernization, central heating and a bathroom had eaten into her savings and a further bank loan and more and her parents had refused to help on the grounds that if Suki wanted the cottage so badly she took it worse and all and all paid dearly for the privilege. So a year previously she had taken Mila in as a loser to ease the financial burden. The whole thing had caused a few ructions at the time. But the feathers were more or less smoothened down. However, Suki's parents' visits to the Pixie's laughter were few and far between, despite only living less than a mile away, and Suki's visits home to the minimalist Semi were equally rare. Sad, really, she thought now and she ducked under the lowest beam at the foot of the stairs ah uh, that she had not immediately thought of ringing her parents for advice on the current situation apart from the fact that they would be extremely annoyed at being woken up before dawn and they would probably feel it it was her fault somehow and would tort out a trite and irritated lines like, You made your bed when you took the cottage on. If you have got a problem, you have only yourself to blame. Now she would deal with the sleeping beauty on her own, and in her own time, Suki thought, clattering across the uneven hall floor. The central heating system was humming gently, and in the, in the tiny, brightly lit kitchen, Suki did what any girl would do under the circumstances. She put the kettle on. She was just scrabbling in the dishwasher for a clean mug when the kitchen door opened. She screamed and dropped the mug on the antique quarry tiles. The bit skittered across the floor. What the hell are you doing here? Mila, her cottage maid, tall, slender, and blonde, wearing a very skimpy t-shirt and black tongue, blinked from the doorway. I could ask you the same thing," Suki snapped, rescuing the broken mug from under the table and wondering, how come Mila always managed to look so perfectly groomed and glamorous even when she had just woken up? Why aren't you in Dublin? I didn't see your car in the lane. Caught an early flight, still a bit tipsy, didn't want to drive, left the car at the airport and got a cab. Mila gave an elegant yarn, collecting it later. Why aren't you in Newcastle? Couldn't stand the pace and there's a problem. What? Mila flicked back her perfectly. Bone sprayed silver hair and reached a slender hand into the dishwasher for two mugs. What sort of problem? We got an intruder upstairs in my bed. Mila handed her a mug to Suki and left. <laughs> He's not an intruder. He's with me. Suki <sighs> sighed heavily. She really should have guessed. Mila was always careless with her men. She had once left one at a taxi rank in reading while she nipped off to find Olu after night out clubbing and completely forgotten about him. Rumors had it that the poor sap had still been standing there for lonely, waiting as dawn broke. I should have guessed, I suppose, but couldn't you have labeled him or something like, Paddington Bear, Miller's man, please do not touch, anything to indicate that he was not a threat. And why? Suki warily spooned granules into her mug. Is he in my bed and not yours? And who is he? Whoa, whoa! far too much questions anyway. I had no idea about the last one. Mila perched on the edge of one of the ornament kitchen chair, crossing her long perfectly shaped legs. Which is the answer to why he is not in my bed, even I am not a swallow. I do not like to be on the least first name terms before I offer B&B, thanks. She took the coffee. No, honestly, we only met last night at the airport, waiting for a taxi. I didn't even see him on the plane. He had been to Dublin with a stag party. He was about as hungover as me, so he decided not to drive home either. While we were chatting in the queue, I discovered he came from Winterbrook. So we shared a cab. Suki raised her eyebrows. The relief was short-lived. Even for Miller, it seemed a bit unlikely, not to mention downright risky, and you did not ask his name, what does he do for a living, like murder, rape, pillage perhaps, chatting up blondies in taxi queues with the intention of relieving them from their worldly goods, and their bank accounts, and maybe their breathing. Suki, sweetheart." Mila shook her head. You read far, far too much tabloids. He was just a fellow traveler in need of a good turn. Suki slid onto the opposite chair. Not good enough. Why is he here? Why didn't he stay in the cab and go onto the winter brook? It's only a few miles away." Mila smiled her sleepy cat a green-eyed smile. Suki, who was of average height, curvy, with short, dark, spiky hair, and blue eyes shied. (sighs) She would kill to look like Mila, okay? He, sound, he was sound asleep by the time we got here. Mela lighted a cigarette. Out cold, the taxi driver did not want the hassle to unloading him single-handedly at Winterbrook, so he dropped us both out here. Poor Block was almost asleep on his bed and i knew you would not be back so i give him your room wasn't that a bit risky you didn't even know him milla blew smoke towards the ceiling (sighs) like i said he was practically comitous and the cab driver liked it i couldn't hardly leave him outside the lane could i so i woke him up made him a cup of coffee, which he did not drink, pointed him towards your room, and well, that's it, really. She stopped out the cigarette, and he's right there, cute, isn't he? Very. Suki so he sipped her coffee, and I should have realized that he was not one of yours anyway. He got a chin, bitchy. Mila stretched, showing most of her slender-toned midriff and then yawned again, still managing to make it look enduringly attractive. I don't always date chinless wanderers. Yeah, you do. Well, when you are not dating city traders with sharpshoot sharper tongues and a cheery accents. A girl has to maintain her standards," Mila shrugged. You cannot support my lifestyle on a labor's waste packet, sweetie, as I keep pointing out to you. Suki winced, it still did not solve the problem of the stranger upstairs in her bed and the fact that she had probably never felt so tired in her entire life. So how were you and him going to get back to the airport and collect your cars? Oh no, don't look at me like that, I am not not driving you all the way to Good Lord, no! A thundering crash from upstairs rocked the cottage to its centuries-old foundation. I think he is awake. Mila frowned at the ceiling. Probably needs the loo. He does not sound very happy. No. Suki so bit her lips. He would not. I locked him in. You did what? Mila shrank with laughter. <laughs> Shuki, you're priceless. Then you'd better go and unlock him, hadn't you? At the point him in the direction of the bathroom. Pretty damn quickly. By the time Suki reached at the top of the narrow, winding staircase, the man pounding on her bedroom door. She unlocked it and stood back, screwing up her eyes in case he was stark naked. He was not. Well, not completely. He had managed to pull on a pair of faded jeans, which did absolutely nothing to detract from the stunning rest of him. Thanks he blinked at her through the long strands of her ash blonde hair. Doors seemed to have struck stuck and I was walked straight into those bloody beams. Does this place belong to the seven dwarfs or something? Uh sorry, but where's the loo? Please Bathroom is along the passage. End door and mind the beams. Thanks, he gave a very blurry smile. Uh, do I know you? Suki shook her head. Nope. And I am not Snow White either. But this is my cottage. Is it? He looked confused. Were you on the flight last night then? I thought, no. That was my taller, thinner, prettier, blonder friend. Oh, uh, right. Uh, sorry, but I must. Suki stood aside as he pounded along the passage. All okay? Mila peered at the top of the stairs. Is he in the loop? Good. I'm going back to bed, Sukes. Catch you later. Suki sighed as Mila slammed into her bedroom. Then casting one last lingering look at the cozy invitation of her own bed, dragged a blanket from the airing cupboard and trugged warily downstairs to catch up on her beauty sleep on the sofa. So this was the chapter one of Love Potion. I will be seeing you in the next episode with the next chapter with it all i'll tell you guys thank you so much for being here and have a great day and as always please be kind to yourself love you see you